Chapter 4. Parents' Good Principles to be Followed My son, keep thy father's commandment, and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thine heart, and tie them about thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Proverbs 6, 20-23. You have here the advice of King Solomon, rightly considered to be one of the wisest men who ever lived. Truly, he must be wise indeed who could excel the son of David, the king of Israel, in wisdom. It's worthwhile to listen to what Solomon has to say. It's good for the most intelligent young person to listen and to listen carefully to what so experienced a man as Solomon has to say to young men. I must remind you, though, that a greater than Solomon, the Spirit of God, inspired the Proverbs. They are not merely jewels from earthly minds, but they are also precious treasures from the heavenly hills. The advice we have here is not only the counsel of a wise man, but it is also the advice of that incarnate wisdom who speaks to us out of the Word of God. Do you want to become the sons of wisdom? Then come and sit at the feet of Solomon. Do you want to become spiritually wise? Then come and hear what the Spirit of God has to say by the mouth of the wise man. I want to show that true Christianity comes to many when it is recommended by parental example. Unhappily, it is not so with all. There are some people who had a bad example in their childhood and never learned anything that was good from their parents. I adore the sovereignty of divine grace that there are many who are the first in their families who ever made a profession of faith in Christ. They were born and brought up in the midst of everything that was opposed to godliness. Yet they are, although they can hardly tell you how, brought out from the world as Abraham was brought out from Ur of the Chaldees. If this is true of you, then you have special cause for thankfulness. But it should be a note to be entered in your diary that your children will not be subjected to the same disadvantages that you suffered. Since the Lord has looked in love upon you, let your households be holiness to the Lord, and bring up your children in such a way that they will have every advantage that Christian instruction can give, and every opportunity to serve the living God. There are many people, though, who have had the immense privilege of godly training. It seems to my mind that a father's experience is the best evidence that a young man can have of the truth of anything. My father would not say anything false anywhere to anyone, but I'm sure that he would not say it to his son. Even if, after serving God for fifty years, he had found Christianity to be a failure, even if he did not have the courage to communicate it to the whole world, I am certain that he would have whispered in my ear, My son, I have misled you. I was mistaken, and I have found it out. However, when I saw him the other day, he had no such information to convey to me. Our conversation was concerning the faithfulness of God, and he delights to tell of the faithfulness of God to him and to his father, my dear grandfather, who has now gone up above. They have often told me that in a long lifetime of testing and proving the promises, they have found them all true and they could say in the language of the hymn, "'Tis religion that can give sweetest pleasures while we live. Tis religion must supply solid comfort 
when we die. Footnote. This is a stanza from Let Us Walk in the Light, a hymn written by Mary Masters, circa 1694 to circa 1771. As for myself, if I had found out that I was mistaken, I would not have been so foolish as to rejoice that my sons would follow the same way of life, and would devote themselves with all their might to preaching the same truth that I delight to proclaim. Dear son, if you have a godly father, believe that the religion upon which he has fixed his faith is true. He tells you that it is so. He is a sincere and honest witness to you. Therefore, I urge you not to forsake your father's God. I think that one of the most tender bonds that can ever bind man or woman is the affection of a mother. It may be true that many people might possibly break away from the law of the father, but who among us can break away from the love of the mother? Next to the godly example of a father, a mother's affection is the best of arguments. You remember how she prayed for you. Among your earliest memories is when she sat you on her knees and taught you to say, Gentle Jesus, meek and mild, look upon a little child. Footnote. This is from the first stanza of Gentle Jesus, a hymn written by Charles Wesley, 1707-1788. Maybe you have tried to disbelieve, but your mother's firm faith prevents it. I have heard of someone who said that he could easily have been an atheist if it had not been for his mother's life and his mother's death. Yes, these are hard arguments to get over, and I hope that you will not get over them. You remember well her quiet patience in the house when there was much that might have ruffled her. You remember her gentleness with you when you were going a little wild. You hardly know, perhaps, how you cut her to the heart and how her nights were sleepless because her boy did not love his mother's God. I do ask you, by the love you bear for her, that if you have received any impressions that are good, cherish them, and do not cast them aside. If you have received no such impressions, at least let the sincerity of your mother, for whom it was impossible to have been untrue, and the deep affection of your mother, who could not and would not betray you into a lie, persuade you that there is truth in this religion that now some of your companions might be trying to teach you to ridicule. My son, keep thy father's commandment, and forsake not the law of thy mother. Proverbs 6, 20. I think that to any young man or woman who has had a godly father and mother, the best way of life that they can mark out for themselves is to follow the road in which their parents' principles would conduct them. Of course, we make great advances on the old folks, do we not? The young men are wonderfully bright and intelligent and the old people are a good deal behind them. Yes, that is the way we talk before our beards have grown. Possibly when we have more sense we will not be quite so conceited about it. At any rate, I, who am not very old, but who dare not any longer call myself young, venture to say that, for myself, I desire nothing as much as to continue the traditions of my household, I don't want to find any course except that which will run parallel with that of those who have gone before me. I think, dear friends, that you who have seen the holy and happy lives of Christian ancestors will be wise to pause a good deal before you begin to make a deviation, either to the right or to the left, from the course of those godly ones. 
I don't believe that he begins life in a way that God is likely to bless, and which he himself will, in the long run, judge to be wise, who begins with the notion that he will upset everything, and that all that belonged to his godly family will be cast aside. I do not seek to have heirlooms of gold or silver, but even if I die a thousand deaths, I can never give up my father's God, my grandfather's God, his father's God, and his father's God. I must hold this to be the most important possession that I have, and I ask all young men and women to think the same. Do not stain the glorious traditions of noble lives that have been handed down to you. Do not disgrace your father's shield. Do not blemish the coat of arms of your honored predecessors by any sins and transgressions on your part. May God help you to feel that the best way of leading a noble life will be to do as they did who trained you in the fear of God. Solomon tells us to do two things with the teachings that we have learned from our parents. First, he says, Bind them continually upon thine heart. Proverbs 6 21. For they are worthy of loving obedience. Show that you love these things by binding them upon your heart. The heart is the vital point. Let godliness lie there. Love the things of God. If we could take young men and women and make them professedly religious without them truly loving godliness, we would be simply making them hypocrites, which is not what we desire. We don't want you to say that you believe what you do not believe or that you rejoice in what you do not rejoice in. But our prayer, and we desire it to be your prayer too, is that you may be helped to bind these things about your heart. They are worth living for, and they are worth dying for. These immortal principles of the divine life that come from the death of Christ are worth more than all the world. Bind them continually upon thine heart. Then Solomon, because he doesn't want us to keep these things secret as if we were ashamed of them, adds, And tie them about thy neck, for they are worthy of boldest display. Did you ever see the Lord Mayor wearing his chain of office? He's not at all ashamed to wear it. The sheriffs proudly wear their badges, too. I have a vivid recollection of how large some of these displays were, and they make sure to wear them. Now then, you who have any love for God, tie your religion around your neck. Don't be ashamed of it. Put it on as an ornament. Wear it as the mayor does his chain. When you go into company, never be ashamed to say that you are a Christian. If there is any company where you cannot go as a Christian, well, don't go there at all. Say to yourself, I will not be where I could not introduce my master. I will not go where he could not go with me. You will find that resolve to be a great help to you in the choice of where you will go and where you will not go. Therefore, bind it upon your heart and tie it around your neck. May God help you to do this and so to follow those godly ones who have gone before you. I hope that I am not weak in wishing that some of you may be touched by affection to their parents. I have sometimes had very sorrowful sights in the course of my ministry. A dear father, an honest, upright, godly man, what lines of grief I saw upon his face when he came to me and said, Oh, sir, my boy is in prison. I am sure that if his boy could have seen his father's face as I saw it, it would have been worse than prison to him. I have known young men 
They were nice boys, too, who have gone into situations in the city where they have been tempted to steal, and they have yielded to the tempter and lost their character. Sometimes the deficiency has been met, and they have been rescued from a criminal's career, but sadly, sometimes they have fallen into the hands of a wicked woman, and then tragedy has befallen them. Occasionally, it has seemed to be utter unrestraint and wickedness that has made them act unrighteously. I wish I could let them see not merely the misery they will bring upon themselves, but I wish I could also show them their mother at home when news came that John had lost his position because he had been acting dishonestly, or that I could give them a glimpse of their father's face when the unpleasant news reached him. The poor man stood stunned. He said, There was never a stain upon the character of anyone in my family before. If the earth had opened under the godly man's feet, or if the good mother could have gone down straight into the grave, they would have preferred it to the lifelong tribulation that has come upon them. Therefore, I urge you, young man or young woman, don't kill the parents who gave you life. Do not disgrace those who brought you up. Instead, I plead with you to seek the God of your father and the God of your mother, and give yourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ and live wholly for Him. Solomon also tells us that true religion guides us under all circumstances. He says that when we are active, there is nothing like true godliness to help us. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. Proverbs 6.22 In the same verse, he tells us that when we are resting, there is nothing better than this for our preservation. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when we are just waking up, there's nothing better than this with which to delight the mind. When thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. I do not intend to expand those three thoughts, except just to say that when you are busiest, Christianity will be your best help. When your hands are full of toil and your head is full of thought, nothing can do you more service than to have a God to go to, a Savior to trust in, and a heaven to look forward to. When you go to your bed to sleep, or when you are sick, you can have nothing better to smooth your pillow and to give you rest than to know that you are forgiven through the precious blood of Christ and saved in the Lord with an everlasting salvation.